0: You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio day. Welcome, everybody. If you are visiting us for the first time or you're part of a family that has someone dedicated or baptized this morning, Welcome. One important thing usually when you're new somewhere is to know where the restroom is. It's a really important part of uh, being part of a gathering. And so uh, the door that's open on the side over there on this building, if you go through that door, you will find two restrooms. There's also coffee and maybe a few donuts left in the back as well. But we're happy you're here to celebrate this special day. I have a sermon that hopefully won't be too long that will lead us into the dedication and baptism this morning. So about five years ago, I uh, got a job working at Grand Canyon University. Do you have any GCU grads in the house? All right. And I was a resident director there. And so I got to oversee a dorm. And Clark was one month old at the time. And we had joined this new church. Monsieur Tempe, at, at right around the same time that summer. And I remember the first uh, MC meal we had was in a house in Chandler. We were part of the Gonzales MC, and I typed in the address, and I looked it up as we were leaving at 5 p.m., and it said it's an hour and 15 minutes to get to the dinner. It's like, are you kidding me? But we were desperate for community, desperate to be part of just a healthy church and healthy context, so we got in the car, and Clark screamed, I think, both ways, there and back most of the time. So after a year of that, I was like, hey, we should probably move to get closer. all of our friends and stuff around the East Valley. And so uh, I had to start looking for another job because my place where we lived was tied to where I worked at GCU. I lived on campus and oversaw one of the dorms. And so I applied all over the place. Some of you have been, I know of at least one particular individual who's applied for about 100 jobs the last six months. So he's resonating with me right now. But I applied all over the place and finally got a job at Gilbert Christian as a Bible teacher and a uh, kindergarten through eighth grade PE teacher. Now, some of you guys have a prejudice against PE teachers and think they just throw the ball out and the kids run around for 30 minutes and then they just go back to the classrooms. That is not the case in the school that I was working at. They had a guy there who had been working for 40 years as a PE teacher. And in a matter of two weeks, the goal was for him to train me in two weeks to become a competent PE teacher. How hard can that be, right? You just, like, again, just throw the ball out and you'll figure it out as you go. Well, no, 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 no. You have a a classroom as a gym of 50 second graders running around like wild banshees trying to figure out what in the world you are going to do with a classroom like that. So in a matter of two weeks, I just followed him around. And this guy was like a Jedi. He had, like, the tips and tricks and tools, the practices to make sure that you could manage a classroom, you could learn how to do hula hoops. I had to learn how to juggle. I had to learn how to do hula hoop on my leg. I had to learn how to do somersault. I haven't done a somersault in like 25 years. Really not that long, but a long time. It's like, holy cow, this is actually really hard. And this guy was a master at what he did. He he really was. Uh, He had taken all these years of experience and boiled it down to just four or five practices that set the stage for his classroom and to be a competent, amazing PE teacher. Here's my question for you, just to reflect on silently. When's the last time you've spent time with someone who was a master at their craft? Was a master at their craft? I bet if you could think of that particular person and you were to ask them, hey, what have you learned over the last 30 years? They would probably give you four or five things, practices. Hey, here's what I've learned that you'd be able to carry on if you wanted to step into that craft too. For three years, the disciples of Jesus were following him. They were learning from their huddle around him, learning and watching his life. Then the, the twist of the story, he died on the cross and then resurrected. And he, before he ascended to the Father, he had 40 days of explaining to them all that they had experienced. And in many ways, I think what he did was instill in them, hey, in light of what's happened and the new creation that has come, here's the way in which to live into the kingdom and the vision wasn't just that the ministry would end with jesus but it would continue through the church that the church would give themselves to the same practices that jesus did and so we're starting a new series today that's kind of an overview of, of for the next month of practices for the people of god and we're going to look at a familiar passage for some of you acts 2:42 through 47 each of the next five weeks and so i'd love for you to open a bible find Acts 2 if you have a Bible with you. If you don't, that's okay. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I'd love to just get a picture for a moment of maybe some of the practices that we might embody as God's people. So let me read the passage here, and I'd love for, this is maybe new for some of you, I'd love for you just to shout out what you see. What did you see the people of God doing in these verses? This summarizes a lot of ordinary, deliberate practices that God's people were doing. What do you notice from these verses? It says this, Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs performed at the signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is God's Word. I'd love to hear from you. What do you see as you look at these verses? What do you, It could be just a simple word, phrase. What do you see God's people practicing together here? This is a summary statement. Of the early church. Bread. Bread, yes. They ate a lot of bread. Amen. They were generous to each other. They were generous to one another. Yeah. No one had any need. All things in common. That sounds uh, crazy in the world we live in today. All things in common. Yeah. They were praising God. They were attending. They had a central place where they gathered to worship regularly. Yeah. They saw each other every day. Saw each other every day. Some of you are like, I don't want to see the person next to me every day. (laughs) Every day. Yeah. Anything else? Prayer. Yeah, they were committed to prayer. Miracles. Yeah, there was wonders and signs being done. Continually praising God, yeah, it was consistent, day in and day out. I love that they enjoyed favor, enjoying the favor of all the people. What a picture. This is describing the family of God, this new covenanted people that were given to these practices together, the people of God, this family. But I want to say this, and this is maybe a bold statement, but I think it's true. As we think of this picture of family, the greatest hindrance and the greatest blessing for us to live into this vision of family is from the families that we grew up in. Our families of origin are the, both the greatest blessing and the greatest hindrance to embodying what you just saw right here. Hindrance: uh, How your family talked about or did not talk about conflict how your family talked about the poor, how your family stewarded resources and were generous or not, what your family oriented their lives around, all those things could either be a hindrance or a blessing to embodying this vision of the kingdom and this family. Just think for a moment, I'd love to just to do a, you can do this silently. I'd love to reflect on what maybe has your family that you grew up in has it embodied, maybe, these practices in some form or way? And how has it maybe been a hindrance to you being able to live into this vision of the kingdom? As we think about this series we're going to start and the practices, really today I just want to focus on the idea that we are a family. We are a family. That's part of why we have all the kids in the service today as we do the dedications and baptism. We are a family. Kids are not a curse or a nuisance. They are a blessing in God's story. And that's one of the things that has most shaped me about this family being part of the in the Gonzales' home for many years. Hey, kids are never a curse. They're never a hindrance or a nuisance to the gospel. They're always a blessing. And we are one family together and the goal would be for us to embody what this vision looks like here from Acts 2 42 through 47. So we're gonna the next couple of weeks we'll kinda narrow down what that might look like. But today just a general v- vision and view of family. That we are a family together. I wanna particularly focus in on kids as we're gonna be dedicating and baptizing some kids today. Family. So there's a, there's a, a podcast that's been going around, or a YouTube video I should say, of a guy named Andy Crouch. Andy Crouch is a kind of cultural commentator. He's written some books. He like predicted how COVID would start and how it would go at the very beginning. He's like an amazing guy. As far as hey, like here's maybe a vision. Like the world might fundamentally change for a couple of years. What everybody was thinking that maybe it would be one month or two months. But one thing that Crouch does really well is he gives you good pictures to in uh, to to give you a vision for different ideas that we think about a lot. He says one of the common things within the business world is when they think about leadership is we define an effective leader by what's the state of the institution they were leading three years after they've left he says hey after three years you should have a good idea and vision of what the institution is like how healthy it is after the most senior leader has left and gone and done something else like that's the common vision within the business world he says actually the biblical vision is a lot different says the biblical vision of healthy institutions, of churches, of organizations, is not three years, but three generations. Three generations. That your kids and your grandkids, when the grandkids come around, three generations, that's actually the taste, the test of what kind of health the institution is. Three generations. It's a pretty uh, crazy thing to think about. We have such a narrow vision of three years, and yet he says the God of the Bible describes himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three generations. And so as we think about family today, the vision really is for us to pass down three generations the faith that we have received to the generation after us, and the generation after them. And that's the true test, the, the true uh, the sign of health of a church, organization, institution, whatever it is is. It, it carry over three generations from whoever started it in the first place. And so as we think about this idea of being a family and wanting to pass down for three generations, I have three things I want to call us to today if this is your church family, if you if you belong to Miss day Tempe Three things around kids, particularly, as we think about passing down the tradition. The first thing is this, if you're part of a missional community, are kids seen as a nuisance or are they a central part of your life together? Real practically, could you once a month have an intentional space where kids are actually not just pushed to the side or maybe entertained for a few minutes while you get to the important stuff, but are central to being formed and developed as you pass the faith from one generation to the next? What does a monthly rhythm look like? The second thing, kids here on Sundays. I, I just want to speak frankly, and this is if you're not part of our community, you're getting a, an insight into a family talk for a moment. I think we've probably fallen off a little bit in having a vision as a congregation as a whole of what it looks like to disciple the kids on Sundays and playing a role there, volunteering in a classroom or thinking creatively about the different ages that are involved. I think often when we're overwhelmed in life and things are heavy and hard, I would just, I dare to say maybe the kids, serving kids becomes the last thing on our list of things that we want to give ourselves to, among the many of myriad other things that we could do. So I just would invite you, if you haven't been in a regular pattern of serving in kids, the vision of our church is that all of us, not just one or two or three people, but all of us would take an active role in nurturing and raising these kids up in the gospel. So real quickly. If you're feeling a sense of guilt or conviction, don't quickly dismiss that as always shame and condemnation, although it could be that. But a real quick step could be after the service today, talk to Megan about getting on the kids volunteer schedule here for Sunday mornings. The third thing is this, there's a a lot of studies out there that say kids, to past generation to generation, kids that actually follow Jesus for their whole lives need five adult relationships, Five. Not one, not two, not one parent, not two parents, not even three people. They need five relationships. And so on Sundays, we have all these kids around that are wandering through here, wandering over here, wherever they are. Like, hey, could we be intentional with, for you to think through who are going to one or two kids that I would intentionally say hello to every Sunday? I would intentionally get to know to help raise up in the gospel as a church family. That's not just the parents' responsibility, but us as a church. What would it look like to think intentionally about a kid or two that you might invest time into and shepherd and form and mold? And yes, you might not get much response back. Sometimes you might even say hello, and they might just literally turn and run the other way. But we got to think less like men, when we think about nurturing kids. We got to think less Amazon Prime and more like gardening less Amazon Prime. It's not going to be immediate response. Within 24 hours, you're going to have that thing, that package at your front door. It's going to be like gardening. You're going to go out a lot of days, and there's going to be nothing growing out of the ground. But that's the vision. Over time, as we nurture and tend to and cultivate, something grows, even if we have no acknowledgement back from the kid that we're trying to care for and shepherd. I know some of you have some of those experiences. So let me give you some context for today as we're thinking about uh, being a family, passing from generation to generation, and then uh, about to practice dedication to baptism. Let me give you some context. Uh, in, my, uh, in my home, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the first fights or arguments that Keaton and I got into was around what kind of dishwasher detergent do you use? You guys ever have this moment? Like we were in, uh, I think, Target, and it was like, oh, right here, this individual packets. that's the way to do it. She's like, are you kidding me? Like, no, that's that's wasteful. You should buy the big the big box of all the detergent, and then that's what we're gonna use. I said, what kind of family did you grow up in? It's the individual packets, back and forth. I think she won out for that one. Uh, Another thing, uh, the tooth fairy. Did you guys practice? uh, Did you guys have the tooth fairy visit you as when you were a kid? Uh, Clark just lost a tooth, and the tooth fairy came, which is really cool, right, Clark? Tooth fairy came, and. there's a lot of debate on about what kind of money the tooth fairy might bring. Like, you know, is it going to be a quarter or $10? Again, maybe some difference in the family traditions that we grew up in. Tooth, teeth, two teeth. One of us as parents, I'm not going to name who, one of us was like maybe like a quarter, maybe 50 cents per tooth. I said, are you kidding me? Inflation, like at least $5. You can't do nothing with 25 cents anymore. I mean, the Tooth Fairy, uh, one of the things we have in our home is we have Saturday morning uh, pancakes or waffles. And every time, I guarantee, once the waffles and pancakes come off the press, the first question from one of our kids will be, can we have the special syrup? Special syrup, which means, from Keaton's tradition and family, which means you take a stick of butter, and you put it in a big thing of syrup, and then you put it in the microwave, then you mix it around to make a special syrup mixture. It's, it's heavy stuff, heavy stuff. Kids love it though, it's like the tradition of our home. It's being passed down from generation to generation. These are silly examples but all of us are passing things down generation to generation. And today as we dedicate and baptize, we're passing down the tradition of the faith from one generation to the next. That's the vision. And we're gonna be practicing two forms of doing that today. Two different traditions that often have come in conflict. We're gonna both baptize babies or children and we're going to baptize, uh, or we're going to dedicate children as well. Now, some of you grew up in a tradition where you pick just one of the two. And there's a long history in the church of actually bloody war over having these two visions of dedication and baptism at war against one another. But we've tried to put, play this space as a church to seek unity, not uniformity, in how we think about dedication and baptism. One of the questions that maybe often comes up is, uh, the, it seems like the most important question is where does the water go? Does the water go at the beginning, or does it go when a child professes faith in Christ? That's an important question, but I think it's a secondary question to both seeing kids raised in the gospel and receive the gospel promises themselves. We want to see kids raised, hey, to have parents that commit to raising their kids in the gospel way. And we also want them, regardless if they were dedicated or baptized, to receive for themselves the promises of God. To say, this is, this is my faith now. It's my own, not the parent, the faith of my parents. So regardless of its dedication or baptism, the vision is the same. To both raise and receive the gospel for all the kids that we're raising in this congregation. So kids... If you're here today, it's okay. Don't worry about that. If you're here today, we have a—I have a special activity for you. Back and I'm, parents, I might need a little bit of help here. I might get a little bit crazy, and that's okay because that's part of being a family. But around this tree over here, there's a there's a bag of soil, and there's five pots for the kids that are being dedicated and baptized today. And there's some spoons, some plastic spoons, little spoons to use. If you're a kid in the service right now, I would love for you to go over there. Maybe a couple adults can go back there too. I would love for you to take those spoons and scoop the soil into those pots, and then I'm gonna have you do something with it in a second when we do the dedications of baptism. Kids, if you're in the service right now, whether you're young or old, I'd love for you to go back by the tree. Megan's back there right now. She's gonna lay out the pots. It's gonna get a little bit crazy and loud, that's okay. You guys go back there, kids. And for everybody else, as they're doing that, I'm gonna give you kind of why we're dedicating and baptizing today. What does that mean for us as parents, for us as spiritual parents, as a family? So as they go back there, here's the three things I want you to hear about today, because really this isn't about those kids making any kind of decision about faith today. It's about us deciding as a community to raise them up in the gospel. The three things that we're committed to as a congregation is we want to give people, kids, the promises of God, the commands of God, and the warnings of God or Jesus. The promises of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, and the warnings of Jesus. So today, as we dedicate and baptize, we're saying to these kids that we're going to raise them up with Jesus' first word to them, which is, I love you. I love you. God's first word always to us is, I love you. And it's that, that word is the same first word to these kids that we're raising. I love you. Receive the promises of God, that God loves you lavishly. And he's, been, he's made you in His image to reflect His glory and goodness. The second thing is the commands. Not only has God said, I love you, but He's given us the commands. Jesus has. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. The invitation of Jesus says, hey, to these kids and to us, hey, come follow me. I love you. Now, come follow me. Think about those fishermen on the shore that Jesus saw and called to Himself. He said, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. So not only are we raising the kids in the promises of God, and we want to tell them how much God loves them, we want to invite them to obedience, to trust. Hey, come follow me. Watch me and watch my life as I follow Jesus, and would you follow closely behind me? Come follow me. And the third one, which is most overlooked, is the warnings. Nobody likes to get a warning, right? sounds ominous. But well, that's, tr- that's a part of the, the Christian story is the warnings. That, think of the, if you're familiar with the Proverbs, it's a father and son. And the father's kind of holding his hand over the son's shoulder. And he's saying to him, hey, there's two paths you can go here. One path, path leads to life. One path leads to destruction. Like there's a warning. Hey, don't walk away from me. Don't walk away from Jesus. He's good. He's trustworthy. Stay near to him. A good parent gives the promises, the commands, and the warnings. I love you. Come follow me and don't walk away from me. That's what you're committing today to raise these kids up in. Those three things, the the promises, commands, and warnings as we dedicate and baptize some kids today. Sound good? Great. Uh, In the back there, how are the pots doing? Are we getting close to being done? Alright, perfect. What they're gonna do here in a minute is they're gonna bring the pots forward once they're filled and each of these pots is going to represent the start of a journey for the kids that are being baptized and dedicated today. Each pot with a small seed in it represents that today is the marker, the start of something that we hope to nurture and to form and to care for as a community to see grow out of the ground. The pot becomes a symbol of what Jesus is wanting to do in our own hearts but also in the hearts of the kids that are being dedicated and baptized today. Kids, one of each of you if you have a pot, if you have a pot, bring that to the front. Everybody else you can go back with your parents, but if you have a pot, you can bring those to the front. And you put them right on the ground right here. I gave the kids little spoons to fill their pots with. They probably use their hands too. That's okay. Parents, you might need some sanitizer. Because the picture of the Christian community and raising kids in the gospel is that all of us play a role. Not just one person filling the pot, but all of us are filling it together. And the seed then is planted and it's watered and nurtured so that it might grow. So that each kid that's being baptized or dedicated today will be taking with them one of these garden pots as a symbol, as a marker of the journey that started today. And Megan's going to put a seed. What kind of seeds are we got in here, Megan? sunflower seeds. She's going to put a sunflower seed in each of these plants as a visible, tangible picture of what Jesus is doing and starting the lives of these kids. So here comes the good part, the ceremony. I'm going to invite the families that are either dedicating or baptizing their kids to come forward. We have three families today. We have the Norris family right here with Emma and Lucas and Sarah. We have the Meredith family over here with Lincoln, Silas, baby Luke, and Ricky Lindsey. And we have the Mio family as well here today with Clark, Cosette, Henry, Keaton, and myself. So how we're gonna do this is uh, we're gonna have parts that belong to you and belong to each family as part of this ceremony. So let me read a few things here to you as families. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we gather today to dedicate Emma Norris and baptize Clark Mio, Cosette Mio, Henry Mio, and Luke Meredith to be raised in the gospel through the promises, commands and warnings of our Lord Jesus Christ in the family of God. And we pray that in your timing and will for them to receive for themselves the gospel, experiencing the deposit of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sin, the community of faith and the participation in God's mission. We'll start with the Norris family here. Sarah and Jeremy her husband is not here but he's here with us in spirit along with some family as well so Sarah since you have presented Emma for dedication we ask you the following questions before God and his people who is your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. will you be a faithful member of this congregation and through worship and service seek to advance God's purposes here and throughout the world Will you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct this child in the Christian faith and to lead them by your example into the life of Christian discipleship? To Ricky and Lindsay, since you have presented Luke for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Who is your Lord and Savior? Will you be a faithful member of this congregation and through worship and service seek to advance God's purposes here and throughout the world? Will you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct this child in the Christian faith and to lead them by your example into the life of Christian discipleship? you got to play two roles at once sometimes in life. Charlie and Keaton, since you have presented Clark, Cosette, and Henry for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and His people Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Will you be a faithful member of this congregation and through worship and service seek to advance God's purpose here and throughout the world? We will, God helping us. Hmm. Will you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct these children in the Christian faith and to lead them by your example into the life of Christian discipleship. We will. God helping us. Amen. Now you as a congregation will respond as well With after I read this statement by saying we will. God helping us. To the congregation, Monsieur Tempe, will you promise to love and encourage and support Emma Norris, Luke Meredith, Clark Mio, Cosette Mio, and Henry Mio by teaching them the gospel of God's love and by being an example of the Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service? Great work. Good job. Now I'm going to invite up uh, an elder for each three of the families to pray over them. Uh, Michael Williams is going to be praying over the Mio family. Chris Hamilton is going to be praying over the Norris family. And Nick Barker is going to be praying over the Meredith family. If you're part of their MC or if you're part of their family, you're welcomed up as, as well if you would like to stand around them as each elder prays for their family.